All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Thursday, August 10th of 2023 here. We have a four-game early MLB slate already underway. Good luck to all of you in that in those contests. We have PGA teeing off earlier this morning after a brief delay due to inclement weather. So good luck to all of you in your PGA sweats, uh, weekend-long showdown, etc. here. And then we also have a four-game MLB main slate later this evening. So it should be a fun day here for those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at SaberSims, the show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. You can get your questions in one of three ways. You can send us an email, support at SaberSim.com. You can post your questions live in the YouTube chat, and you can also post your questions in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord, want to get access to that channel, there is a link in the description below. You also get access to all of our similar channels, individual sport channels, see when lineups are released, see when players are scratched, see when Sims run for that updated news, uh, get in on the conversations that everybody's having in the community in, in individual sports each and every day. So can't say enough good things about the Discord. But with that being said, going to get the app pulled up here. Uh, we have quite a few questions to get us started today. So it should be a nice, solid Thursday stream here. Appreciate all the questions ahead of time, uh, questions ahead of time in the Office Hours channel, questions ahead of time in the YouTube chat. Questions in support. So we have questions coming in from all different directions today. So we're just going to knock through them one at a time here. We'll get to all the questions before the end of the show. But with that being said, I'm uh, going to get this first one in from support here. We'll go support office hours channel and then YouTube chat last. So first question here. Question says, hey there, question about mini uniques. Trying to figure out when and how to use the mini uniques feature. What is the purpose of it and what is it actually doing? Is there a rule of thumb for the number of lineups versus mini unique number to use? Okay, great question to get us started today. So I ran this build uh, right before the show started here, just so we would have something to work with. We wouldn't have to wait for lineups to build here. But I ran this build. I have a uh, 518 lineups in my pool. I'm going to up my number of lineups to 20 here. And what is mini uniques? You know, how do you use it, et cetera, right? So First and foremost, the entire point of Mini Uniques here is to help you get a set of lineups that is uh, less correlated to the other lineups in your set, right? So if you have Mini Uniques set to one, I have 10 players in my DraftKings lineup. My second lineup can technically be all nine players from the first and one player different, right? Um, that that Those two lineups will be very, very correlated. So if one does well... The other is going to do well. And then if one does bad, the other one is going to do bad. They just have so many similar players, right? Um, this really can can lead to you having these very boomer bust nights. If you, you know, open up the DraftKings app, you are gonna you're gonna visually see that hey, all of your lineups are clustered together. They are very, very close in the standings. Um, what Mean Uniques does is it guarantees that there are so many players different from every other lineup. So when I increase mini uniques to five here, I'm going to go up to five. What it's going to do is saying, hey, my my first lineup I'm looking at is going to have at least five players different from the next lineup I'm looking at and the next lineup I'm looking at, right? So we can see that we actually start to jump here, right? We're looking at lineup one. We skip lineup two. We go like to lineup three. We skip lineups four, five, six, we go to lineup seven, and then et cetera, right? All the way down. And and we actually had to go all the way down to, let's see here, lineup 
lineup 65 to find 20 lineups that have at least five players different from every other lineup here, right? So that is what Mean Uniques does. And then the point of it, right? Um, this is this is you know getting back to what we were talking about. When when one lineup does bad with Mean Uniques now, uh, there is less of a chance that your other lineups do bad, right? You're gonna be more spread out across the standings. And even if one lineup does bad, you know, you still have a pretty solid chance of having other lineups that that are uncorrelated to those bad lineups that can still go on to cash in your contest, win your contest, you know, give you a solid uh, night overall here. So that is what Minionics is doing. And then second part says, uh, is there a rule of thumb to the number of lineups versus Minionics to use? Uh, so there's not a solid rule of thumb here. I would probably try and stay away from rule of thumbs in general, uh, just with this specific tool. And the reason for that is that a couple things are really going to come into play here. The number of lineups to pool ratio is going to be a big factor in how many Minionics you can get to, right? So 20 lineups to, you know, approximately 500 is way different than 150 lineups to 500, right? 150 to 500 is like a little over a three to one ratio here. And then uh, 20 to 500 is closer to uh, one to 25 lineups, if, if I'm not mistaken here. So 25 to one versus three to one, going to have a way bigger, uh, just available number of mini uniques here, right? So if I'm at 20, let's see what we max out at. I believe we'll probably max out somewhere close to eight. Okay, so at eight, there's only 11 lineups that are that much different. So seven. Seven's our max for 20 lineups here. If I increase my number of lineups to 150, I probably have to go way down here. Uh, four works. Five does not work, right? So four Minioniques is the cap here at 150, and then 20... Uh, at 20 lineups, seven was the cap, right? But this is just related to the pool to lineup ratio here, right? Second thing that's going to come into play is the number of games on the slate. Uh, when this is a four-game slate, there are just less available players in the player pool, right? But on a big, you know, 11-game, 12-game slate, you're probably going to be able to get to a higher number of mini-uniques as well. So slate's going to matter, uh, number of games on the slate, and then the number of uh, your pool to lineup ratio here. The best way that I like to figure out, you know, what is the appropriate number of mini uniques for this slate here is to apply my mini uniques. I'm going to go back to 20 here and then see how far down in the pool it's taking me, right? I'm somebody who, you know, I like to value the Sabre score great uh, lineup metric here. So I like to stay within the top 50% of my pool more often than not, right? So I'm going to increase my mini uniques basically until I start to approach that value here. And at six, I would probably be okay with six. We could try seven. Uh, seven, you know, we're getting we're getting a little farther here, 389, 365, 359. So a lot of lineups in the second half of that pool. I would probably just cap at six here and stay within the top 50% and, uh, and be comfortable with that, right? But it definitely up to you. Depends what you value more, right? I'm somebody who values Sabre score more than the diversity here. Uh, other people might say, hey, I want to get as diverse as possible, and I'd rather have seven mini-uniques and go farther in my pool. So kind of have to figure out uh, what what route you want to go, right? You're, there's there's more than one path to victory, and, and there's not to say that one approach is better than the other. I'm telling you guys what I do here, and then I bet if you ask somebody like Jordan, Jordan would probably you know uh, increase that mini-uniques to seven here and, and be happy with that. So a couple different options for you guys there, no wrong answers. 
All right, just rereading this question one more time. I think we covered all the key points there. Um, I did get back to this user earlier, but uh, wanted to, you know, just cover it for everybody watching the show here. So good question there. And we are going to jump over to the Office Hours channel in Discord. First question here. I believe this is my man, Marvin. Marvin said, can you address this during today's Office Hours? On yesterday's MLB nine-game slate, Luis Robert Jr. was popping in my models, so I played him. How could I have gotten Saberson to build correlated lineups around him? Instead, the builder was just giving me the highest projected lineups and including him versus ones similar to yesterday's winner, which had four uh, Chicago players in it. I use the default settings, FYI, thanks. Okay, so um, we would have to go back to yesterday, so we could do that. So let's jump back to yesterday, and then let's see what slate this was on so was it on the turbo no probably main slate so we had a nine game main slate yesterday uh chicago is on the slate so if i go to the default settings correlation is already really really high at nine here um so it's it it's not to say that you know this was like a correlation problem where you could come in here and you know your correlation was down at five and you know you could fix this by increasing your correlation higher right correlation is already very high um, this just really tells me that, you know, Lewis Robert Jr. was just a really good one-off play, right? He's um, not super high salary, is high salary, but, you know, he's, he's probably showing up for a lot for you. He probably just worked better as a one-off here, unfortunately. I, I know that the White Sox went on to score nine runs here. Um, there, there were so many other high team totals here, you know, Boston at 6.3, Atlanta at 6.2. Baltimore, the Dodgers, San Diego, all over five. And then Chicago is down here at 4.4. So as a team, it just didn't seem like they graded out particularly well. Uh, Robert Jr. did do well as a one-off, you know, 17 points. Maybe he hit a home run. Maybe he didn't here. I know that a lot of teams um, kind of underperformed here overall. So seems like he was just, the builder just thought, hey, you know, Lewis Robert Jr. is a good one-off for this slate. Uh, you know, maybe even small stacks, like two stacks, but we just weren't getting to him as a primary stack. So I would just be careful going back into previous slates and trying to reverse engineer the winning lineup and say, if I click these buttons, you know, I will get to the winning lineup for yesterday's slate. That does not mean if you, you know, take those set of button clicks and apply them to today's slate that you are going to get to the winning lineup, right? So a lot of things change uh, day to day, but the best thing to do is just figure out, you know, um, Try, try, and, try and work on things that can help you in the future rather than things that can help you in the past, right? So that that is just something that I wanted to mention here, uh, but just seems like the builder liked this player probably more as a one-off according to uh, what you were seeing in, in, in the lineups that you built. All right, a couple questions here about soccer, which we don't talk about very frequently here from In It to Bink It. Question says, have there been any updates to soccer for this upcoming EPL season? Any suggestions on using the optimizer effectively uh, or not? And then second part here is two-parter. Second part says, also, what would you suggest as a custom sorting metric for soccer and how does smart randomness work when there are no underlying sims? Thanks. Okay, so um, we we ultimately we do want to support soccer eventually here uh we do have you know a lot of things on the horizon here uh with the beta version of saber sim i think that's really been taking up most of our time here so with um as far as like upcoming soccer support you know we are going to continue to support it with slates in the app but ultimately we're not going to be providing projections or simulations 
for soccer in the immediate future here. Uh, what that means for sim diversity slider, right? Uh, getting to your second question here and just waiting for this to load. So we have this two game soccer slate uh, or we'll, we'll go with this four game. I was doing some testing on this earlier and what this means for sliders, right? As soon as this loads up, I will show you guys. So when you go into the build settings, you turn on manual mode. What smart randomness is, is smart randomness is assuming that every player on the slate is normally distributed. What that means is that they have this nice bell-shaped curve to the range of outcomes where um, one the, the, the chances of standard deviation, of one standard deviation is similar in each direction. The chances of two standard deviations is the same in, in a positive or negative direction. And then same thing for three standard deviations, four standard deviations. Uh, we know based on our simulations for other sports that this is generally not the case, right? I, I don't know too much about soccer here. I don't know how high variance this is, but if, if, you know, if you were to compare it to MLB or something like that, where you are pulling up these players range of outcomes and just, just to give you guys visual, right? So we have these range of outcomes for all of our players, right? In our simulations, this is James Paxton, a pitcher, uh, similar, you know, bell shaped curve here, but not perfect, right? Not this perfect normal distribution here. And then if we go and look at our batters, it is way, way different. Oh, wow. Trevor Story's back. I did not know that. So this is like a big, right, right skewed data set, right? What we are doing for the soccer players, where if basically you were to pull up a distribution for them, a theoretical one here, they would have the perfect bell-shaped curve, right? And that's because we are assuming they're normally distributed because we don't have simulations, right? So when you increase the randomness slider, you are increasing how far down these tails of the distribution we are going to pull outcomes from so the higher the smart randomness the the higher the standard deviations for the players that we can get to right so we might be able to at smart randomness 10 we might be able to get you know outcomes that are within the fourth standard deviation where the odds of that happening are are sub one percent right so um, just know that you're you're getting uh more risky the higher you are increasing that smart randomness and then second part uh, here was, what would you suggest as a custom sorting metric for soccer? So what I would suggest here is to, it, it depends what you're bringing in, right? If you're just bringing in projections, then you're going to need to do something um, along, along the lines of having projections. If you have ownership, then now you can start to work in ownership as well. So it really just comes down to how many um, inputs you have, how many variables you have. And then if you're bringing in projection and ownership, you could do some type of metric that weights the two together here. So I would, I would, um, start figure out, you know, what data you have and then work that into a custom metric. All right. Good questions there. Uh, we are all cut up in the support channel and question via discord here. So jumping over to the YouTube chat. First question from Deshaun. Sean said, is it better to not be spread out with exposures on small slates? Would you try to be more optimal here with just mini stacks like a 3-3 three, three or 3-2? Three, okay, so first going to answer this one here. A lot of these questions look like they build on each other, so we'll just hit them one at a time. So really, you know, this this kind of goes back to like, hey, are there your heuristics for different slates? And I am somebody who tries to stay away from that. Each time I have a question like this, what I like to do is, hey, let's run a build and let's see what Saberson thinks, right? And then I will go into my stack types here 
and then I will sort by pool and then see what are the most popular stack types. Um, we're still getting five twos, five threes, uh, five threes, a little, a little less here, right? Five threes are, are pretty close to four threes, four twos, uh, even some three threes creeping up here. So it, I think, it, I think it's fair to say that as the number of games on a slate decreases, it is okay to use smaller and smaller stacks. And that's what we're seeing, right? Uh, usually we don't see that many three threes. We're seeing three, two, two at 5%, three, two at 4%, right? Three, three, two at 3%. So all of these three stacks are starting to creep up here. Um, that being said, you know, five twos is still far and away a higher percentage here than probably all of these three stacks combined. But that doesn't mean that the three stacks aren't viable, right? So I think it's okay to play these three stacks. But, you know, as the number of games on the slate decreases, you're going to move closer and closer towards the optimal lineup, the, the, the best stack on the slate, right? So, you know, on a big 11-game slate, you might be able to get away with playing a team that didn't score the highest runs on the slate. Um, on a four-game slate, I don't know if you're going to be able to get away with that, right? So uh, winning lineup, prob- probably going to have one team who scores the highest runs, but but not always, right? Especially if they're close, like eight runs, seven, seven runs, six runs, you might be able to find some different combinations there. All right, second question. Is there a rule you can set on Sabre to just give you mini stacks of just threes and twos? Uh, yes. So the way I would do this, couple different ways you can do this so stack types is one way so what you can do is you can uncheck all these five stacks here and four stacks and then this will only leave uh three stacks or less this way might take lineups longer to build here uh but it is a way to do it uh, another way that i would probably prefer here is to use a group rule and then use an automatic rule and then say use no more than three players per team here. And this is probably my favorite way to do it. And this would basically say, Hey, I can have no more than three players from a team. So you're limiting all of your lineups to three stacks here, but you're still getting to all the different three stack combinations here. So rules typically work better with the builder as far as speed and, and time to build is concerned. So I would just set this rule, save it, and then you should be all set. So check that out. Sean said, also when looking at stack exposures, is it best to just take the stack exposure as a whole or break it down? How do you handle it? For example, if I run a sim and a certain stack is at 25% of the pool, what do I do with this information? Is it best as a mini stack or five stack? How do I use Saber Sim to figure that out? Uh, okay, so we'll stick with this one. So question says, you know, when looking at stack exposure, what what are the takeaways, right? So when when this is actually a good question here because we see this big discrepancy between five twos and then we see five threes down at 10%, right? That doesn't mean that five threes are bad here. Um, When I like to, when I, when I look at this information, I like to digest it via the primary stack. So regardless of whether it's a four, two, two or a four, two or a four, three, I don't really care. I am just trying to see like, Hey, are, is a primary four stack viable on this slate? I'm not trying to figure out like, Oh, you know, I should be having a triple stack of a four-two-two. A triple stack is better than a double stack of a four-two. Like that's that's not really the information I'm looking for. I'm trying to figure out what is that primary stack um, that that is going to be viable for this slate. And you know, if I were to combine all of these five stacks, well, now I'm at you know approximately fifty percent, right? Twenty-eight plus eleven is thirty-nine 
plus nine is 48%. So 48% of the lineups in my pool have at least a five stack, right? I think that's actionable information. That tells me, even though this is a four game slate, you can still feel very comfortable playing large five stacks here and, and, and not be worried about, you know, building the optimal lineup. So I think that's actionable information. And then I'm looking at, you know, four stacks as a primary stack, three stacks as a primary stack, and then um, trying to figure that out here, right? So if I were to look at my three stacks, 6%, three, three, half a percent, uh, three, one, 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 however many, and then 5%, three, two, two, 4%, three twos, 3%, three, three, two, right? So if I take these four, uh, 3% plus 4% is seven, plus 5% is 12, and then we'll just say plus six is 18. So approximately, you know, one out of five lineups here have a primary three stack. So that also makes those more than viable, right? So don't be afraid to play those is is, is a takeaway that I'm getting here, right? But if I were to look at two stacks, okay, I have um, three, two stacks. I have a 0.6%, a 0.4, so we'll call that 1%, and then a 2.5. So less than 4% of my lineups have a two stack. I think a primary two stack is probably too small for this slate. So I'd probably stay away from those, but that is how I am looking at the information and digesting the information. All right. Next question here was, is it a certain home run rule you're using in small slates? I heard you mentioned before a less than 0.15 home run rule once before, but that was a large slate with that rule still apply on a small slate. And then um, let's just tackle this one. So, so I think that, you know, that rule is, is perfectly fine to use in general. And I, I think that rule is okay. So so a lot of times people come on the show, hey, you know, what's a good baseline rule for MLB, right? And that's the rule that we suggest here is a group rule automatic. Use an if-then rule. So if at least one player from a team who has a home run uh, expectation in the Sims here of less than, you know, you could say 0.15, you could say 0.1, whatever, but needs at least two players from the same team. What you're trying to say is like, Hey, you're trying to curate your one-off pool. So, so Louis Lewis Robert Jr., great example yesterday, probably had a very high home run expectation. So it was a great one-off, right? But if you look at somebody else, you know, a, a low in the order hitter or somebody who is going to score runs in a team environment, somebody who's going to get a single, a double, somebody else is going to, you know, need to drive that runner in. So the other person gets a hit and an RBI, this guy scores a runs. You're only getting one side of the equation of the points there. Right. But, um, when when you're looking for one-offs, one thing you can do is curate your one-offs to where, you know, maybe you're playing Pete Alonzo as a one-off. The Mets scored three runs, but it was a Pete Alonzo three-run home run that got them all of their runs, right? So he can get there without the rest of his team getting there. So that's the thinking behind it. I don't always use this rule here. I've, I've actually, like, I would say I was using it, like, the first half of the season here, and I've actually stopped using it the second half of the season. Why? I couldn't really tell you here. Um, I'm not really somebody who's, like, going in and, 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 um, you know, nitpicking my lineups and, and looking really hard to see what they look like. And if it's the exact stack that I want here. So really I was like, okay, I'm using this rule, but I'm not really grading it or, or checking it or doing anything with it. Should I even be using it? Uh, cause I'm, I'm not tracking whether it's hurting me or helping me. So I just started uh, not using it here. I trust the Sims enough to give me strong lineups without that rule, but, but some people like to have that rule, right? Some people really care about their one-offs, um, especially if you're building only a small number of lineups here where you can be very uh, diligent with what they look like and the constructions there. So if you're looking for a rule, we suggest that one. 
But um, ultimately here, I don't think it is a must to use. And then Deshaun said, uh, sorry for all the questions. Uh, no worries, man. You know, we, we always need more questions here. I'm happy to do this show as long as you guys want, as long as the questions continue to roll in here. So never feel bad about asking questions. All right, Daniel said, are there projections for the NFL preseason slate tonight? So no, there are not. We have the the slates up in the app, but ultimately we don't have Sims for preseason NFL just with the huge amount of inconsistency that players play and the uh, lack of news about, you know, snap counts and stuff like that. So we stay away from preseason, but we have the apps in uh, up. We have the slates up in the app. If anybody wants to provide custom projections and build lineups here. So not sure if run pure is um, having preseason projections here. Run pure is one of our partners here. So you can check out them and see if they have preseason projections. If that's something you're looking to play. Daniel said, do we use geo mean in showdown NFL slates? So, I think Geomean is very viable in any sport where you're probably going to need the optimal lineup to win here. And Showdown NFL is one of those sports, right? So um, what Geomean is, is it is a form of product ownership that basically helps you estimate the number of times a lineup is going to be duplicated. And by doing that, you can use a Geomean rule or a Geomean filter to help you figure out Hey, you know, how many times is this lineup going to be played? You know, should I be playing this lineup or should I, you know, get rid of this lineup and look for a different lineup to play for when I win this contest? Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to win more of the share of first place, right? So that's that's where duplication matters. That's why that's why duplication is important. If I have a lineup that wins first, let's say I'm playing a hundred person winner take all, and first place is ten grand. If I have a lineup and nine other people have the same lineup, I'm only getting $1,000 when I win. And winning is hard enough as it is, right? I'm sure everybody knows. Uh, but when I win that contest and nobody else has the same lineup as me, I get all $10,000, right? So that has a big effect on the EV of the lineup over the long term. If we played this laid out 100,000 times, you won a couple times. Um, did you win by yourself? Did other people have the same lineup as you? And that ultimately um, leads to having a big impact on the expected value of your lineup here. So that's why GeoMean is important. So I think GeoMean is viable for any sport where you're going to need an optimal lineup to win here. So think of, you know, all captain showdown formats like NFL, MLB, NBA, um, possibly League of Legends, depending on the size there. If it's like a showdown, um, NASCAR comes to mind, Formula One comes to mind possibly even tennis just depends here. Um, you know, golf is probably one. I, I wouldn't worry about it too much here because the golf field sizes are a lot larger here. So just depends, but, but just some food for thought for you guys. Uh, Daniel said, what other rules, if any, for NFL showdown? So I actually don't love rules for NFL showdown. And the reason for that is because when we build sim, when we build lineups for NFL showdown, we are building them on sim diversity 10 here. And what Sim Diversity 10 does, if we were looking at a showdown slate, right? What it does is it we have we have our pool of thousands of Sims for a game sim that we that we actually support, right? So if this was the regular season, we would have Sims for the Houston New England game. What we do is we go and grab one single sim and then we play out that sim and then we build the optimal lineup, the highest scoring lineup under the salary cap for that game simulation put that lineup in your pool. And then we go and we do that process, you know, 500 times if you're building 500 lineups. 
The great thing about that is that we can understand the game script. Um, you know, how did this game go? Did Was it a run-heavy game? Was it a pass-heavy game? Was it a shootout, right? We're not building based on average projections and just trying to come up with the winner, right? We are we are using the play-by-play simulations to build your lineup. So get you a much more accurate representation of what actually happens in a game. So I think that's great. I don't like to limit any of the sim outputs by applying rules. So aside from using GeoMean as a filter, if you can, on the Saberson Pro plan or as a rule uh, to, to, to manage your duplication of your lineups, I don't love uh, many, many rules beyond that for NFL Showdown. Mike said, would you limit your uniques when you're using uh, rules for stolen bases and home runs? Um, so... So this is an interesting question. So if you're using rules for stolen bases and home runs, that's probably just getting you more lineups. Like it's, it's making the lineups look more of what you want. Right. But remember that when you're using rules, it is applying to all the lineups in your pool that are built. So if I have a rule that says, Hey, you know, use players who, um, have so many stolen bases. Well, that's going to apply to every lineup in your pool. So then now I would actually be actually more inclined to use menu uniques because I know that every single lineup that I've built has this dynamic that I want. So it's not that only some of the lineups have the dynamic, every single lineup you built has this feature because you applied it as a rule. So then now I would be even more comfortable increasing my menu uniques and, and getting diverse there. Made me think a little bit there. That was a good question. All right. Marvin said, to follow up, would I have had to build a group to get more Chicago players? Basically, how to build the highest correlated lineups when underdogs outperform without adjusting team totals or projections and relying on sim data. Um, okay. So, so building a rule is one way that you could have done this. Yes. You could have said, hey, you know, if Lewis Robert Jr., um, make sure to include at least to Chicago players or something like that. So if there is a particular piece of a lineup that is popping, but not the rest of the lineup, and you want to, you know, make sure to use that person in a stack environment, that is the way to do it. So you're definitely on the right track there. Uh, I, I actually really like increasing team totals here in general, just because it has an effect on the entire game. It doesn't have just an effect on one player or one team, right? So when I increase the Dodgers, mean total from 5.7 to 6.2, giving them a half run adjustment. So one, this will have an effect on the entire Dodgers team here. If I go to their team, I can see that all the uh, totals for their batters are adjusted here. And then also if I go to Colorado on the other side of the game, even they have a small effect on, on what happens here, right? So adjusting the team total affects Colorado as well. And the reason for that is because what we are doing is we are basically going into our sims. So say we have 5,000 sims. We're going to just start trashing sims that where, where the Dodgers score low. Maybe the Dodgers get shut out. So all those sims where Dodgers score zero, we're just going to start getting rid of them one at a time until the team new team total shifts to the number that we have input, right? So we're going to... Um, now, now we might only have 4,500 available sims to pull from when we go to build your lineups. And then, so the Colorado also played those 500 games, right? So that's why it affects them as well here. So I actually really like that. If you want to get to more of a team in general, um, I would not shy away from doing that. 
So I said, what's up? Preseason football tonight. Yeah, man. Hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, NFL regular season is inching closer and closer each day here. I personally cannot wait for it. Uh, Going to have a uh, fun, fun NFL season with all the new tools we are coming out with. But uh, as far as questions, we are all caught up in all three channels uh, here. Support, Discord, YouTube chat. So if you guys have any last questions that you want to ask, now is the time to do that. But in the meantime here, while we wait for any last questions to roll in, just want to remind you guys, if you guys are not playing over on Owner's Box, would highly recommend taking advantage of our partnership with them. We were the first major optimizer to support Owner's Box contests at the beginning of the MLB DFS season here. Their contests overlay frequently. You can find reduced rake. You can find no rake. You can find full overlay where they are essentially paying you to play. Your entry fee is actually worth more by the time the contest starts because so few people are entering these contests, right? The competition is going to be softer than what you're going to find on DraftKings, FanDuel, or Yahoo. And then if you use promo code SABER or SABERSIM when you sign up, one, you can get up to a $500 deposit bonus. Two, we will track your entry fees for you and you can earn free months of SaberSim just by playing on the site and nothing else. So each time you hit one of our entry fee tiers here, our team will reach out to you, let you know you have earned a free month. Once you cash in on that month, we will reset your tracking to zero. You will automatically start earning towards your next free month. And there is no limit on the amount of free months you can earn while this promotion lasts. So take advantage of it while it's here. But Great show today, everybody. A lot of questions. Happy to answer them all. As always, uh, we'll be right back here tomorrow, Friday, for our last show of the week here. One last thing, if you're looking for this Owner's Box promo sign-up page, it is linked in the description below. Get your questions in ahead of MMA, NASCAR, all the weekend sports, etc. cetera, here. Uh, really quick, Snowman said, do you have time to talk about NFL GBP versus cash? So what I will say is that um, NFL cash is probably one of the most beatable cash game uh Tournaments, especially early in the season, you get a large influx of public money here. People wanting to play uh, double ups, even triple ups, et cetera here. So if you're going to play cash, I would stay, I would, I would make sure to play it within like the first, you know, five, six weeks of the season here. And then um, be, be a little bit careful later in the season here, but NFL cash, probably one of the most beatable um, NFL is just by far the most popular DFS sport. Uh, we always call it week one opening uh, Sunday of NFL DFS Christmas, right? It is just the, the biggest contest that you're going to find on any day of the year here. So take advantage of it. Um, you know, if you're playing, if you're following the DFS profit plan, playing 2.5 to 5% of your bankroll, maybe play a little bit on the higher side, closer to 5% if, uh, if you're usually playing a little bit on the lower end there. But if you have any more specific questions about cash versus GBP, drop them in the office hours channel. We will hit those tomorrow. I'm going to get out of here, guys. I will see you all tomorrow. Take care. Good luck. Thanks. Bye.